really coming down, huh? Oh, well, you bet. There you go. Fair as a dollar and a half. What? Fair went up to a dollar and a half as of midnight. You're kidding. I've got 97 cents. No. It's raining like mad out there. No. Would you just give me a break? I really just want to go home. I'm sorry. I can't do that. I could lose my job. Well, who would who would know exactly? I could go to a party, get drunk, talk to someone. Who knows? Would you just give me a goddamn token? No, goddammit. I cannot give you a token. Those tokens are dull and half. I can't sell for 97 cents. We lose money that way. All right, there's the train. There's the train. Come on, give me a token. Everybody, welcome to Generation Loss, the show about movies with Bryn and Jeremy. Hey, what's Hi. going on? <laughs> uh, I'm a I'm a Marty Scorsese character. <laughs> I am Jewish. Hey, I'm Jewish here. <laughs> what's the matter, your face? I'm a Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> well, folks, the day has finally come. <laughs> You've been asking for it all these, uh, it's been a year and change that we've yeah. been doing this show. All this time. you've been simply clamoring for it in your little <laughs> Italian voices, <laughs> saying, you know, I'm walking here, and yeah. bop it a boopy, and all that sort of stuff. And you've been, <laughs> you don't even call him a godfather. You don't even call him a godfather. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so you, you've all been- It's uh, me, godfather. <laughs> <laughs> it's a me, Danilo. <laughs> Dude, I've been thinking about it. Uh, Kieran Dold had a really funny post about uh, the the Mushroom Kingdom being in the Holy Roman Empire. And it was very funny, but it's it got me thinking so much about how like Wario and Waluigi are like very clearly Slavic. And it's just so fucking funny to me that, like... I thought they were these, Italian. No, no. Like, look at them. Like, look in their eyes and you'll <laughs> see. Like, they are not... Like, someone in Japan and Nintendo World was like, what is the opposite of an Italian? <laughs> <laughs> well, they have big bulbous noses. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have the mustache. I guess a mustache doesn't mean anything. Mustache doesn't mean anything. But they are, like, they're mustaches are like pointier they have like pinker noses and they like they, they talk in like very russian ways they're they're <laughs> slavs for sure they're meant to be slavs oh that's my belief anyway <laughs> and i just keep thinking about it all week i keep thinking about it is the only thing that makes him italian because because they say that they modeled mario after their landlord mm-hmm. whose name was mario and I feel like he didn't like what he wasn't canonically Italian until he started talking. Yeah, that's what I always think about it, is like I'm not a Mario scholar here, so I could be absolutely just off base. But like, 
there definitely had to have been a point where they were like, well, we need to give him a voice. Yeah. And, and they're like, what should he be? He's not Japanese. So what is he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or wouldn't it be funny if like, what is an Italian Japanese accent? I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I'm definitely not going to do it. Do, I think you should do it. <laughs> My friend Griffin uh, does it all the time. It's his favorite bit to do is Japanese guy learning Italian. And so uh-huh. you do a Japanese voice, but you say stuff in Italian, and it's very funny. But you I'm not doing like, it. You say certainly like- not on record. <laughs> certainly not on record. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, we're, we're doing an, a, a famous Italian movie this week. Um, but... Um, until we get there, what have you watched this week, Jeremy? So we have a new routine going on in my house where um, I'm making all of Nico's bottles overnight. So there's like this chunk of time that I just have to account for now. So you're doing formula? So we do some formula, some breast milk, but we put it all in bottles and whatever. She Mo only breastfeeds sometimes. But anyway, the point is I make like a day's worth of bottles all at once and I got to like batch it and like, you know, measure it out and all that. So anyway, the point is it, it takes a half an hour to do the job. Every night takes a half an hour, which is not bad. Exactly the amount of time that it takes to watch an episode of something. Right. So sure. I keep being like, OK, so I'll put something on that. I'll just kind of tune out in the background. And just kind of like passively watch while I, you know, mix breast milk and whatever. Um, so I've started rewatching Rick and Morty. <laughs> From the beginning. From the beginning, yeah. I've been okay. rewatching Rick and Morty. And Are I'm those now half up an to hour the, episodes? Uh-huh. Yeah. They're a little less. So, you know, usually like right as it's wrapping up, I'm wrapping up. It's really perfect. Um, but so I'm rewatching Rick and Morty and um I'm up to the new episodes and I'd never watched the newest season. I hadn't caught Almost any, but I only saw the snake episode. Okay, what season are they on? Four. Okay, I think I haven't seen that. Yeah, so I this was my this was my take coming into this, and the only interesting thing I possibly <laughs> have to say about Rick and Morty is, well, first of all, I feel like it's a much better show than it's been given credit for, and well, it's been given a lot of credit, but a different kind of credit. What I yes. mean to say is, um. I think that it got this weird stigma around it because of its shitty fans. And I think that people started thinking of it in all these different ways where they're like, it's this, you know, it's either like the epic science man show, the, (laughs) you know, you must have an IQ of whatever to understand it. You know, there's like that whole meme and whatever. And then there's all these people who are like, it's epic. Rick is epic. He is like the epic bacon guy, whatever. And then (laughs) there's the counter reaction to that where it's people who are like it's this bro show for men and whatever and like it represents right. shitty nerd masculinity and that's a whole thing <laughs> Toxic but really at its core alex and, I, alex and i talk about this a lot actually that like at its core rick and morty is a very funny show about improv and that's mostly what the show is about it's <laughs> really? just it's just improv that's all the show is and and if you take it at that level where what you're watching is people you know, mostly riffing, then you're like, oh, this is really funny because yeah. all, seemingly all they do is like come up with the bones of an episode and, <laughs> you know, what the plot of it's going to be. And then a lot of the dialogue seems to just be kind of riffy and very like loose and, you know, you just kind of like get to vibe it out and whatever. Yeah. And so it's very funny when you look at it that way. And then in the third season, I feel like they kind of like started smelling their own farts too much and they kind of like they started to believe the version of themselves that they had been <laughs> mythologized as by their fans by like the most intelligent, mm-hmm. like, yeah, exactly. 
um, emotionally interesting show. Right, yeah. exactly. So that's the thing is like by the third season, they're on this whole trip where they're like, yeah, like Rick is so tortured by his genius. <laughs> yeah. And like, it's kind of, a, it's a weird, like you're supposed to be watching it, I guess. And being like, man, it would really be tough to be like this omniscient, you know, right person but like really people are watching it being like man it's so hard being a genius like me (laughs) yeah it's so hard being an atheist in the south uh uh, and it's like you know my take of rick and morty is that the first two seasons are like the best sci-fi show that have been on television in the past like millennia, like in the past 20 years. Mm -hmm. Like it's a good sci-fi show with good sci-fi stories that has really funny improv comedy Mm -hmm. over it. Um, And some of them are like not as good. Like there's like the, um, you know, the intergalactic television or whatever, the interdimensional TV episodes where it's just like, oh, we're fucking it's xd random it doesn't matter get out of here those are the best ones those are (laughs) the best episodes (laughs) the best one no so the best one is is (laughs) like interdimensional cable one is very good the second one kind of sucks and you can tell that they don't want to make it but that somebody at adult swim was like you got to make another one people love that episode yeah um but the real you know spiritual sequel to that is the one where there's like the aliens who who make up characters that are you know, you know the one that where they like fake memories in your brain, and they're like, it's the one with Mister Poopy yeah, yeah, Butthole, yeah. Mm-hmm. and like there's all the fun characters who are just like, but I'm your butler. I've been your yeah. butler for years. That's <laughs> yeah. the spiritual successor to that, and but they're that's the ones a that are just idea. like, yeah, it's just like wacky, like you know, riff it out, see where it goes, sort of thing, and that's the heart of the show. Totally. And I, then I, the third season is stupid because the third season is when. I actually watched a video essay about this once where somebody kind of posited this idea that it's the shift between like Rick is a scientist who's smart and is tapped into this like global or uh, this interdimensional world and whatever. uh, And he's just a part of that to the shift becomes like Rick is the smartest man in the universe. And they start and people start referring to him (laughs) that way. And they're like, this is the smartest man in the universe, you know. Which um, is like why he could just very be, stupid, yeah. Like he could just be an interdimensional traveler, and that's that's I think like the, I think culturally the line got drawn, uh, with uh sauce, mm-hmm. where it's just like Rick mentions something, and then what happened is is that everyone who was a fan of the show, which it turned out to be way more people than anyone thought, right? Like demanded that something from Rick and Morty happen in the real world. Yeah. And that I think for anybody that would be a power trip that you just couldn't really come back from. You can't come back from it. Yeah. It's like, oh, well we well, have What's to unfortunate too is that's a very funny episode of the show. <laughs> it's otherwise a really funny episode of the show and it's like one of my favorite like plots that they've ever like rolled out where it like everything like works really well it works like a south park episode you know where it's like everything happens because the thing before it happened nothing ever feels like it's just there Mm -hmm. um so anyway what i wanted to say though is that the newest season the fourth season i feel like is finally a good season and i think that they're actually possibly in the best position you can be in for a show where they have already had their early successes where they figured out what kind of show they are. They knew what kind of show they were really early, which is very hard to do. 
um, but they knew what kind of show they were and they knew what kind of show they wanted to be. They've already been through their heady high years where they're like, you know, we're the biggest show ever. You know, we're the we're going to the moon. And 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 they've already crashed from that. And mm-hmm. they've already had their shitty fans and their shitty fans are done with them. And they've already had their haters and their haters are done with them. Nobody's paying attention to them anymore. Nobody talked about <laughs> season four. You know what I mean? Nobody yeah, ever talked like, about season fine. four. <laughs> It just happened, and you watch those episodes, and you're like, oh, this is a show that has no pressure on it now, yeah. and they're making funny episodes again that are just funny, and they're not like trying to be epic. They're not trying to be like emotionally resonant. They're just funny, fun premises. Like There's one where um, uh, Morty has an idea for like a, a, like a video game reset button, where it's like you can, you can hit uh, save, and then you can try something, and if you don't like the way that went, you can go back to your, your save, right? Okay, yeah. And that's the premise of the episode, and it's really fun, and they play it out, and they go through the whole thing, and then there's like a consequence to it, of course there is, and so then they play out the consequence of it, and the setup for it is really funny, where like, the, the it's, there's like a vat of acid, and like, it's like, it's this like, scheme that Rick has, where he's like, we're gonna fake kill ourselves in this vat of acid to get out of the <laughs> sticky situation, and Morty's like, that's a stupid idea, you never want to do my ideas, and anyway, the point is, it, it's it's a very funny show again. And mm. I think that now that the pressure is off of them and they've already been through a bunch, and I don't think, I think they're going to end up being kind of like a South Park or a King of the Hill or you like the Simpsons, where they'll just keep going. Yeah, because like there's no incentive for um, for Adult Swim to cancel them because they're always going to make money. Like there's always going to be a pretty devoted. Like you can't go from being the biggest show in the world to being that tiny. Right. So there's always going to be a pretty solid group of people who will just tune in and watch it because it's a show they know. Yeah. So I think they're I think they've got some pretty good years ahead of them. That's good. I mean, I like it's funny cuz I uh with the third season I I thought it was about a third bad episodes. Like mm-hmm. but I thought the other two thirds of the sh- season was like pretty good and funny and still like yeah. you know, it wasn't ever so cringy that I couldn't watch it. It was just like right. there was a couple episodes where it was like you're a little far up your own ass on this one. But Yeah, like- when they start playing like hurt <laughs> behind like Rick turning himself into the police and shit like that. It's like you're pretty far up your own ass with like how how much you think I care about these characters or right. whatever. It's they're they're it's literally just Doc from Back to the Future who yeah. makes M- Marty suck his dick. Like that's the yes, beginning of that's the, the show. That's the beginning of the show. Yes, uh, <laughs> and it shouldn't no, ever this, really stray far from that. Yeah, no. This season is fun and stupid in all the ways you want it to be. There's an episode that's all snakes. Like it's just nothing but snakes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like most of the episode is just, and then it's subtitled what they're saying. It's really fun. That sounds fun. Anyway, what did you watch this week? Uh, well, wait, right before I say what I watched, did you, have you ever seen Life and Times of Tim on HBO? No. Have I talked about that? It's a, Do not think so. It's really bad animation, but it's a show that is like um, all improv. It's a cartoon mm-hmm. show that's all improv, and it's one of the funniest. It's, there's only like six episodes, but it's so funny. Um, you will really like that show. <laughs> um it does uh, very offensive. So if you are a person who might be offended <laughs> by some things uh, <laughs> of all different kinds, it's from like the early 2000s. So oh, of course it is. Don't yeah. look it up unless you're someone who really wants to watch a very, very like painfully awkward, funny show um, that is very offensive. So what I watched this week was, um, well, the first thing I'll talk about is um, I watched a ton of stuff, uh, but I watched a movie called Network. Right. And I feel like we haven't, 
We've so, brought it up briefly at some point. I think when we were talking about the social network. Oh, really? Yeah, because I think we called it the regular network. <laughs> the regular network. It's, I mean, <laughs> so network is a movie that I um, I saw when I was in college. Um, and it was one of those movies that um, you hear a lot about sort of as like one of those like American classics. Right. Sort of in the same breath as like Apocalypse Now or uh, Nashville or, um, you know, those, you know, just really popular movies from the 70s that everyone loves. Right. Um, and so I, I had no idea what I was going getting into when I first saw it. And I was just it was one of those movies you see in the 70s that is like, holy shit, this movie's great. Like everyone tells you it's great, but you're like, no, it was actually a really great movie. Yeah, because you always expect <laughs> to go into it and be like. Yeah, it's fine for the 70s. Yeah, or it's like, sure, it was arty and it made me think and I appreciate its shots or whatever. But like, right. this is, you know, it was one of those movies where you're just like, God damn, that was entertaining and intense and had me physically and emotionally engaged all the way through. And so that was my memory of it. And I did remember that I had some like weird political thoughts about it at the time. Right. Um, but watching it now, it feels like one of the most prophetic movies I've ever seen. <laughs> um, and I feel like people in our circle have talked about it as like a very prophetic movie. Yeah. So I've never seen it. Um, what is the basic uh, 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 idea here? So the premise of the movie is that this longtime uh, news anchor, uh, late night, like a primetime news guy, Imagine like Walter Cronkite is right. being fired just because mm-hmm. he's old. Just he's like they're forcing him to retire, you know. Mm. And instead of gracefully retiring, he goes on his you know a week from today, I will be killing myself on live television. Hell yes, <laughs> and, king yes. <laughs> and this gets a ton of ratings. Um, and what happens is the people in the network realize that they can make a lot of money off of him. Mm-hmm. And so they're like cynically keep him on the air, even though they are afraid of like the FCC and like the SEC or whatever. Right. They yeah, because you can't you can't, you can't kill, kill yourself, yourself on, on TV. Television. Yes. And he's like, I was just fucking around. I was. Even though it's happened twice. I know, Bud, and um, there was like some newscaster lady. Oh really? Yeah, there's oh, some also woman the guy who at the killed Hague, herself. Right? But that maybe not American TV. Oh yeah, Slobodan. Um. What? Anyway. Did he kill himself on TV? <laughs> the guy who did all the poison? Oh. There's like a picture of it. Um anyway, um in this movie, what happens is is like there's this weird shuffling of for the first half of the movie, it's sort of this like internal office comedy. Like a mm-hmm. it's a black comedy. Um it's not very funny, but it is uh it is very over the top yeah. and they're all sort of like, Oh, well we might get this much share and we might get this ratings. And so he, uh, slowly realizes that he has a platform where he can say anything that he wants. And <laughs> what happens to him is that he's struck by like basically a spiritual event mm-hmm. and is basically only someone who can say the truth. And he becomes like sort of a shaman. Oh, so it's like a liar, liar. I mean, not not supernaturally so, but he basically like thinks of himself as a shaman. Like he has right. like a mental break, and is like, I can only tell you the truth. And so 
this is what the case is. And he starts describing like how the system of power works mm-hmm. of like the, the way the network works and why he's on the air and like why he's allowed to be exploited in this way and why it's ruining society and how people are profiting off of it, um, which only makes them more profitable because people keep watching it. Right. Meanwhile, one of the producers is like, we can make a bunch of money if we give a show to uh, these black radicals who are doing terrorism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and like, so they start like t- doing that show on the side. All of this culminates in, you know, they're just making tons of money off of him. And then at a certain point, he decides to, um, he finds out about this deal where the Saudis are going to buy the parent company of, the network mm-hmm. and he tells his audience to 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 write their senators and stop the deal um where the owner of the network like calls him into his office and is like gives this very famous speech where he's like you are meddling with the fundamental forces of nature right. and you are not allowed to do this and like basically <laughs> describes the way like the like actual power works in the current world. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And he's like, you're not allowed to do that. And I'm going to tell you the actual truth. And so what he starts doing is telling the actual truth of like, actually don't worry about that. There's nothing you can do. (laughs) Um, And then his ratings start to go down, but because he's spouting, it's basically a metaphor for like co-opting because Mm -hmm. the, um, the 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 big big owner the big money guy is basically like this is my pet project now where i'm sort of like telling the audience what i want to tell them i'm taking right. this guy and telling him the actual truth they did and the um, ratings go down they did a black mirror like this once do you remember the one with like the exercise bikes and um yeah the fi- 15 million merits yeah, yeah, yeah you have to earn the merits to get on the singing show or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then the kid like breaks the glass and he's like holding it up to his throat and he has some big (laughs) rant. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then they're like, wow, like you've really changed my mind on things. And then like the heartbreaking end of the movie is him doing the rant again with the, with the glass to his neck just for TV now. And he like puts it away in a box and like gently closes it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's very similar to that, but it's just like, the 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 speeches that are given and the way there's also a subplot that's sort of like describing how television is controlling and and alienating people's lives Mm -hmm. and just on a political level it's one of the most like true things like it feels like an accident (laughs) you know what i mean like it, it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like it's trying to it's a movie that is trying to do what Howard is doing and also right. knows that it's futile mm-hmm. and also knows that it's still just making a movie. <laughs> yeah. That's um, the ultimate thing, right? Is it's like, if you're making a movie, then it's like, you're like, what's, it's, uh, it's still just a movie. Yeah. Like, um, I think I've talked about this before, but when, um, on the two minutes podcast, we talked to, um, spider from the band power man, 5,000, and it was this very strange <laughs> occurrence where like we'd made fun of him and then he commented on YouTube being like, yo, you don't know shit about me. <laughs> and then we were like, hey, come on the show. <laughs> and so he did. And then but he actually ended up being like a really insightful guy who I was like very happy to have talked to. And he had a very <laughs> funny thing that he said where we were talking about why there isn't a lot of political metal music. And he was mm. like, well, like 
Because how are you going to trust somebody that like their opinion matters when they're going to waste all of your time doing a guitar solo? Yeah. Like, <laughs> is it really that urgent what you need to tell me if you have time to do a guitar solo? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, damn, I really never thought about that. It's true because they're all products. And that, yeah. I, it's really. And it's the same I, thing with like a movie where it's like, if it really was that urgent, what you needed to tell me, like, did you have time to like get the production together to like go raise money from producers mm-hmm. and like order craft services and like all these things you got to do to make a movie? It's like at some point you're like, it can't be that serious. <laughs> right. And. And, you know, it really sort of, because there's like a certain level of like, you always kind of know that movies are just movies and they're entertainment pieces, but the the amount of conversation and and emotion and argument that people put into this stuff is, is baffling sometimes. And network really sort of brought it all around for me this week because uh, Judas and the Black Messiah came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Did you watch of, it? I haven't watched it yet. I haven't watched um, it yet. I'm going to watch it soon. But there was a lot of conversation about, like, Fred Hampton would have done this, or we would should make this kind of movie about Fred Hampton. And it's like, it really made me remember, like, even if you made a communist propaganda film about Fred Hampton, mm-hmm. it still would be distributed by Warner Brothers. Yes. Like, it doesn't matter. The whole point of it is that it's going to profit warner brothers Mm -hmm. that's all they want to do making a communist movie is still just entertainment that you can watch to feel good about your own politics right it's not going to like start a revolution (laughs) (laughs) um and that is a very tough thing to remember i think um at least for me just because i want something very badly that it actually doesn't matter (laughs) you know because i would like it i would love it it would be like oh wow what a great movie but it wouldn't do anything Mm -hmm. um and i think network is probably the best version of that lesson i've ever seen on screen um highly recommended everyone should go watch it um it's also just very fun and like incredibly well acted it's it's not and it's, it's got like a million things in it that you know from other things. Yeah, it's the I'm mad as hell. I'm not going to take it anymore. Right, yeah. Which is sort of used as like this turning point where it, now they have a million billion ratings and it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the whole, I think it's kind of become this cultural thing of like, we can all get together and do something. But I think the point of it is that you can do something completely impotent that doesn't matter. It just makes people have better ratings. Yeah. Which is depressing and sad, but you know. Anyway, <laughs> great film. Uh, the other thing I want to talk about real quick before we get into the movie is um, I just watched Casino for the first time. Wild. <laughs> uh, so What a flick. I want to talk about this because of we're doing our first Scorsese movie. Yeah. Um, w- what's crazy about Casino to me, first, before we get into it too much, what's crazy about Casino to me is that it's five years after Goodfellas. It feels so much older. Oh, you think it's old? It feels. I older. feel like I feel like it feels like an older movie. Yeah, I feel like it feels like it's from closer to like Raging Bull. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's funny because I always remember when I think of Scorsese, I mm-hmm. think of his movies being in the seventies and eighties. Right. But a lot of his best or the movies that he's most well known for are the nineties. Yes. Like Goodfellas is the nineties. Casino is the nineties. Um, 
So Gangs of New York is what the two thousands. Yeah, but that movie sucks. Uh, <laughs> but like Mean Streets, Taxi yeah, 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 yeah. is like eighties, right? And then like yeah, Taxi yeah. Driver is seventy six. Mean Streets is seventy three. Yeah, they're oh, they're okay. way older movies. Yeah, so it's weird. So I'm kind of on the record as like being a bit of a Scorsese hater. Mm-hmm. Um, in that I really don't like Taxi Driver. Um, I didn't like it at the time, and I've on rewatches I like it less. I but you really, like Raging Bull, right? I love Raging Bull. Yeah, Raging Bull is great, fantastic movie. And I don't love Goodfellas. I've found it to be, you know, because there's been almost a meme recently where people are like, Martin Scorsese really loves crime and thinks that crime is good. And yeah, you know, it's like okay, I I'm not saying that, <laughs> but, but I kind of do actually. I kind of do think he does. I do it think poorly. he does. Yeah, like well, I think like. <laughs> What watch it this is gonna inevitably blend into the movie so we might as well just kind of like let it happen we'll just do like yeah. a nice like just nice gradient as we make our way into the movie but kind of what watching this movie like made me think so much about is like it is pretty crazy that goodfellas is only 1990 even though it feels pretty modern and like that makes sense that it's 1990 it really is so strange to me that like he's only a mafia guy now that's yeah. the only thing he ever <laughs> wants to talk about is the fucking mafia or just organized crime generally speaking mm-hmm. and that before 1990 he'd never talked about it before like i mean aside from i mean i guess there's like a little bit of it here and there that kind of like pokes in but like goodfellas is his first explicitly mafia movie right uh, ooh. is Mean Streets not a mafia movie? I haven't actually seen that one. I guess I have not seen Mean Streets, but I don't, oh, it's I'd... a crime film. Okay, so it might just be. I don't it know. It was a thing he like kind of thought about it, but he definitely has been only doing that because I don't think of Casino as a crime movie exactly. Um, mm-hmm. But okay, but I just want to say that Casino was incredible, and <laughs> and I think the reason Casino is incredible is because it's a movie that's interested in the system that it's talking about more so than people just wanting to do stuff right. or like be in a club or whatever it's so zoomed out and robert de niro is a person who's just like good at a thing and wants to just do his thing yeah. but is like unable to do anything morally because of what he's good at and then like the people he knows and the way he's forced to do his things uh being gambling and running a casino are just like so deeply corrupt. And the whole movie is just exploring that through really great dialogue and really good acting. Like even all the scenes with him and Sharon stone are really well done and really believable as real people. Um, and I was just so impressed by casino that I, I don't know. I almost felt like I wish all of his movies were this good, but like right. I remember Departed, which is bad. <laughs> Departed is a terrible movie. Uh huh. He really is just like nothing but stinkers nowadays. Like I really, <laughs> I'm like looking over his list now, and I'm like, these all suck major ass. Like uh-huh. The Aviator sucks. The Departed sucks. Shutter Irishman. Island really sucks. Shutter Island is so bad. Shutter Island is like one of the. Shutter Island was like one of the biggest points of contention in in a toxic relationship I was in <laughs> where like we were we were already like rattly and like the foundation was very clearly cracking and like things were kind of starting to come apart uh-huh. and we saw Shutter Island and I just remember leaving there being like this is the dumbest movie I think I've possibly ever seen and she was like I can't believe you'd say something like that it's like you're calling me dumb and I'm- <laughs> 
<laughs> we had like a fucking IKEA fight, but about the <laughs> about Shutter Island. <laughs> <laughs> What's an Ikea fight? <laughs> like an Ikea fight is like when you're like looking at like you're at Ikea and you're looking at like dressers or whatever. And like you just like you can't help. But when you're looking at like maybe it's just like a maybe it's just like a comic thing or maybe it's just like a, you know, a entertainer sort of thing. But like when you're looking at stuff that's stupid, you're going to say it's stupid. <laughs> and the more times you say something stupid and then your partner likes it, then, you know, like they're going to be like, it starts to chip away at them a little oh, bit. And they're oh. like, they're like, I liked that one. And you're like, it's stupid. It looks dumb. <laughs> I hate that. Yeah. <laughs> and I hate you. <laughs> and I hate you. That's what that means. <laughs> that's what I meant. <laughs> you're just like Leo. Oh, yeah. I've definitely had that argument before. Yeah. And uh, I'm not even in, well, I guess I'm a podcaster now, but I'm not a comic. <laughs> um, but but yeah. anyways, yeah, uh, Scorsese makes crap now. Yes. so But he used to make great stuff. And we're going to talk about one of them today. And one the one we are talking about today is a movie called After Hours. Yeah. And it is from, what year is this? 1985. 85. Yeah. Fantastic flick right off the bat. Just going to say it. Excellent flick. Love it. Love it. Love it. So this one was, I saw this one in high school mm-hmm. um, before I'd seen Goodfellas. Um, oh, interesting. So I knew I, I knew I didn't like Taxi Driver. I knew I loved Raging Bull. And then I only knew he'd done like mafia stuff more recently. Right. And I just wasn't really interested. And so I didn't really watch him. But um, I wonder if Gangs of New York was my first Scorsese. Mm, I didn't watch that till last year. Because I think I saw that in theaters. And I think that before that, I would not have interacted with any of these other movies. Maybe I would have seen like Cape Fear. Oh, yeah. I didn't. I always forget he directed that. Yeah. Cape Fear was like a that would have been on TV. I would have seen that. Yeah. Yeah. So I so this movie I saw in high school, kind of barely aware it was Martin Scorsese. Right. It was one of those movies that I saw on like VHS tapes at my friend's house. And uh, damn, it just blew me away because I've never seen a movie like this. And yeah. even to this day, there's not very many movies that are like this that are made this well mm-hmm. um, with so many interesting ideas and like visual ideas. Mm-hmm. Um so really quickly, you can kind of sum up this movie in a couple sentences. It's a movie about a guy who works at an office and he meets a girl in a diner after he gets off work yeah. and then tries to fuck her. Yeah, it's really just about the trials and tribulations of like trying to get pussy in New York. Like that is basically <laughs> what this movie is about. Yeah, there, uh, Stav, Stav's review on Letterboxd of this movie is no one has never gotten pussy as dramatically as this character. <laughs> yes Uh, exactly (laughs) and and it's funny because i read that before we watched it because i i I put this on the list entirely as like well we should watch the best scorsese movie Mm -hmm. um not knowing that i think i like casino better yeah i was gonna say i I also probably like raging bull better i I like raging bull and casino better um but this is the best like this, this is the is most watchable. This is the definitely the most watchable one. This uh-huh. is like, there's no part of this that's like a bummer that you're like, oh, <laughs> man, am I really experiencing like Jake LaMotta about to jack off in prison? <laughs> like, <laughs> there's so many parts of Raging Bull where like, even though it doesn't necessarily like drag or it's not like it's slow tough, and shitty, yeah. it's just tough to watch. Yeah. 
Right. Casino is long. It's all really fun, but it mm-hmm. uh, it is it's very, very long. long. Yes. Um and this one is a tight 90 mm-hmm. and it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, we were we were putting this on last night Mo and I and I was like, "Ooh, 90 minutes." And Mo's like, "I like that." <laughs> <laughs> you guys are the same person. Yeah, we love a 90 minute. <laughs> Uh, but so yeah it's just about a guy who meets a weird girl he gets her number later that night he calls her being like basically like let's uh you want to hang out what are you up to Um, let's do 80s whatever netflix is (laughs) (laughs) whatever netflix and chill is in the 80s and uh he goes over things get weird is the only really way to describe this movie is that like uh People say odd things and Mm -hmm. are odd people. And then he gets kind of freaked out and for whatever reason leaves. And this starts off a a Rube Goldberg effect (laughs) of him, people thinking that he is a robber and a murderer. Right. Which he is not. He's just a, a he's just a dude. Yeah. Idiot who doesn't know how to handle himself in, in this, in the city. And, uh, Basically, it ends up where he has no money. He can't get home. He's trying to convince somebody to give him a ride or money to for the subway. Right, and then he, he doesn't ends have up, his keys. He, well, he for most of the movie, <laughs> he doesn't have his keys. He makes a um, bargain with a bartender where he gives him his keys for his keys to do him a favor so that he can get money to go home. It all gets fucked up. Right, uh, and then. By the end of the movie, he's being chased by a vigilante mob of people and an ice cream truck who want to kill him. <laughs> yeah. And is saved by yet another sculptor. Um, and then he basically narrowly escapes by being stolen by Cheech and Chong as a sculpture. <laughs> yes. And then is, is plopped back down in front of his job. And he sits at his desk again as we open to the movie and the movie's over. Right. <laughs> so but like you said what this movie is really about is it capture it's it's crazy and it's very much like a kafka movie like it's a yes. very like weird bureaucratic stuff i think we're people. about to have the exact same opinion about this which is that it's really exceptionally good at capturing like a weird night in new york <laughs> like yeah. nobody's ever had this weird of a night where like this many things happen back to back and everything kind of like bleeds into each other and like somehow everybody knows everybody and somehow everything happened because the other thing happened or whatever right. like nobody ever has a, a night this wild but it's exceptionally good at portraying this weird feeling of just like oh i got myself into a weird situation <laughs> And like whether it's like whether it's happening to him or in one scene, the scene that really did it for me, he's that guy to somebody where like he meets that dude who's just like, hey, I've never like been with a guy before. And he's yeah, like, cool, yeah. can I come to your apartment and use your phone? And he's like, sure, I guess. And then he's up there. And he's just like, and I'm being chased by the ice cream man. And he's like freaking out and just like unloading on this guy who's just sitting on his couch. Just like, yeah, uh huh. Yep. Okay, I, right. this isn't uh-huh. going the way I thought it was going to go. <laughs> and like, I haven't had a night like this probably since like I was, I don't know, 20, 21. <laughs> like, but it, it's really exceptionally good at capturing like being young in the city and like getting into trouble and just kind of like finding some weird shit that you're just like, yeah, I guess there's a lot of different types of people that live in this town. <laughs> well, you know, one, of, yeah, exactly. And, and you know, it was funny because I, didn't understand this in high school. Mm-hmm. I had no yeah, you'd idea. You've never what even this, been to New York, right? I, no. <laughs> well, I I think I 
yeah, had like been to Times Square once, right. like passing through and was like, I should move here. I was like 13 or whatever. I love lights. I love this. Um, but uh, I should move to New York. I love M&M's. <laughs> and the draft from Toys R Us. That's my thing. <laughs> but I had definitely not experienced really anything. I mean, I barely drank when I watched this movie. Right. Uh, um, but. Yeah, I 100% agree that I hadn't, I didn't know, watching it now was like, oh, this is like when you're, tr- you know, somebody's hitting on you and you're trying to think about going back to their house, but they want to meet at a different bar and mm-hmm. you gotta, you're got in a weird situation where they're like with their friends and then their friends are weird and, you know, yeah. like... Things well, start stacking that, on each other, and then you're, you're like, like in a weird place where somebody's gotten more intense than you expected. Or like another thing that I was thinking about is like this is a lot like what it used to be like in New York before everybody had cell phones and before it was like easy to get places and whatever. Like because w- when I was like eighteen, nineteen, twenty was before you know smartphones and shit, and so there were plenty of times where I'd be like in the village with like no money <laughs> and like my phone dies and it starts raining and you're just like I got to get back up town to go home like that's (laughs) absolutely an extremely relatable feeling where you're just like oh no it's actually quite hard even though it's a small place and like it's pretty walkable like I don't know how the fuck I'm getting home from dojo like I don't know what I'm doing (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh it's it's a but the thing is there's a lot of stuff in this movie that make it very subtle as well as explicit Someone was pointing out online that there's a um, there's a almost in every scene there's like a metaphor for someone getting their dick ripped off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's a scene where he goes to the bathroom and he looks at the wall and there's like a drawing of a guy with a shark c- right, chomping his, his dick. dick. Off, yeah. Um, and I think almost every scene is him like getting emasculated by a woman mm-hmm. or like getting shut down or like not being able to fuck. Um, and I don't know what it's trying to say about that. If there's right. some sort of like loss of masculinity or uh, what it's trying to say. And I, I, I don't, I don't know. think it's, yeah, I, I don't think that it's necessarily about that as much as it's like, it's adding to the mounting bedragglement of this character, right? Because it's like Marty is trying to say, like, he's trying to show you this guy's night just getting worse and worse and worse until finally the worst possible thing can happen, which is that he didn't get any sleep and he has to go back to his shitty job. You know, (laughs) like he just wakes up and he's like, oh, I didn't even get home. I'm at work. God damn it. (laughs) Yeah. Like, and, and, and part of that is like, yeah, like to Martin to Martin Scorsese, it seems that like being emasculated is like one of the worst things that can happen to you. Which, <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, in the in the list of things that happens to him throughout the night, I feel like not getting laid is like pretty low on my list low, of like yeah. things I'd be upset about about the night. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it, it would be a, a, at least a cherry on top if you went through all of this of like right and i didn't even get to have sex with anybody like right that's well sucks. but that's his own <laughs> fault too because he's it's he so, gets a few different is. times where it's like you could just have a tap in here if you really wanted to <laughs> like, yeah the ball's right in front of the net the keeper is like miles away you could just put it well, right in there if you wanted and to. i think that might be what the movie is trying to get at if it's trying to get at anything is mm-hmm. that like he is this because t- 
I don't know if the movie wants you to sympathize with him. No, like there's multiple, no, definitely not. No, there's multiple times where you're he's making a bad decision for selfish reasons, and like, like literally, he's confronted with like someone who just killed herself, and his reaction is like, "Shit, I have to go back to the bar to get my key." <laughs> you right? Know what I mean? yeah. Like he's like a very like single-minded asshole mm-hmm. um, who like ran away from her because of the idea that she might have burns on her body. Right. Which by the way is never explained. <laughs> never explained. Very um, interesting choices by the way that like there's a there's this whole element of her having some sort of severe burn that she needs like ointment for and she has a book about and like there something happened with a burn. We never know what the burn is. We never see it. We never find out about it. Yeah. Everyone said, like, her roommate says she has them. She has the ointment. She has a book about it. And it's like, you kind of see something that you're supposed to believe is scars. And then that's not the case. Yeah. And they're not, they're (laughs) certainly not burns, if they're anything. They look like self harm scars. Right. And it almost feels like it's, it's just like supposed to be like a, like a metaphor for like this person is weird and has problems right yeah. and like he's just like something that would freak you out or whatever and instead of getting specific the movie always goes surreal mm-hmm. um which i love like yes <laughs> that's i'd what's be mad wh- if they like if they had a whole <laughs> scene where they're just like actually i got burned by like an ex-boyfriend and it's, <laughs> yeah. e- it's an even further metaphor <laughs> Right. I'm literally like sad because of my ex or whatever. Yeah. Even though that's kind of what happens because the bartender yeah, the dad is from her... Home Alone burned me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is Mr. McAllister? Mr. McAllister, yeah, is um, the bartender. And then Mrs. McAllister oh, yeah. is a cool uh, punky chick later. Yeah. Who was also weird. Man, her performance is Unreal. like, I know that bitch. Yes. She's crazy. <laughs> She's so good in this. Everybody's really good. Like, yeah. all the performances are excellent. The only things that I'd really criticize, particularly negatively, would be, I think that um, there's, like, a weird thing that he does a lot of where there's, like, fast motion, and that kind of sucks ass. Like, uh, when he's driving in the taxi, and, like, oh, he, yeah. he, like, turns the speed like up over-cranked. on the film to make it look like the taxi's driving, like, really fast. And it, like, but it just looks like zany, like, early uh, Woody Allen type of nonsense. <laughs> yeah. And then the other thing I would say is that um, uh, 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 there's, like, weird cuts sometimes where, like, um, there's that scene where he's explaining his night to the guy and his in his apartment and he's like and then this happened and then this happened and then this happened and he does these weird like fade to later in the conversation oh yeah but he's not that much further into it <laughs> like he's not that much further into it it's that you couldn't like, have just been like and then this happened <laughs> yeah it's just like what's the point of it i guess the the point is like it's happening for longer than I'm going to show you, but it right. it sort but of. But it's but what I'm saying is like the the part of the story that he gets up to after the fade to is not far enough along that it feels like you needed to fade to. You could have <laughs> just kept rolling. Right, exactly. Uh, there's a f- couple weird missteps visually, but I feel like it's because Scorsese is trying to take a lot of weird cues from other weird directors and see just like he's throwing a lot of shit at the wall visually yeah i was gonna say actually a weird influence that i think is very present in this movie is uh holy mountain mm. 
there's um, the shot that I'm thinking of specifically is the huge gated door at his office building. Oh, yeah. Really, really, really made me think of Holy Mountain. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because there's this big, like, it's one of those old, you know, like, financial districts, like, art deco buildings with, like, a big, like, brass gate that, like, opens in this really intense way. And the shot of it is, like, you see the whole gate and then the bottom of the gate is the bottom of the frame. And then, you know, our main character is just tiny in its presence. And this big gaping door opens. And he's just like, <laughs> he's like looking up at it like early man. Just like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the whole movie is just him like trying to forget about that. That mm-hmm. he's like has this stupid job where he just like enters random numbers into a computer. Yeah. And like both of those scenes were like the first time I'd. Because uh, it seems a little early for Steadicam. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they really even had. I don't. I still to this day don't really know how they do that. The opening of the movie and the closing of the movie is the camera like whipping around the cubicles, right. or not cubicles, but like open office setting that they that he's in. Like, very sort of like bullpen, um, like newspaper man kind of room. Yeah, and it's amazing looking. It looks so it is cool. very cool, yeah. Um, and I remember that really sticking with me. One of the things I remembered the most about this movie um, was that those camera moves. Um, and I still don't really know. I guess it's probably some kind of early steady cam. Yeah, I don't really know the technicals of this sort of thing, but I assumed it was like maybe it was like on rails or something. It was like on like a little like track thing, right? But you don't see the tracks. Maybe they edited them out or something. But, yeah, but how would you do that? Yeah, it's, in, a, it's really impressive. It's a little shaky, but it looks fantastic. Um, and it just feels so disorienting. And you're just like in this hell <laughs> that he's yeah. in. It's like the camera's constantly moving. Um, and then when he's out, it sort of calms down. And then as soon as he gets back in at the very last shot of the movie, it's just like. Whoosh, whoosh. <laughs> right. Um, I guess the other the other criticism I would have is that uh, as much as I love them and I do uh, find them hilarious, uh, Cheech and Chong take me right out of every scene I they're know. in. <laughs> they're like, oh, other, what are their names? Like Eric and Carlos or something? Yeah, whatever. It doesn't matter. They're Cheech and Chong. And it's, it's clearly it's Cheech very and distracting. <laughs> <laughs> they don't I love change. them. I'd love to watch uh, a Cheech and Chong movie for this show because they're, uh, you know, they're, they're a favorite of mine. But God damn, you that You should sucked. absolutely put that on the list because I didn't really i like grew up with one of the movies up like, in smoke probably probably but I up in smoke rules that is movie that the one where whips ass <laughs> is that the one where he's got the huge uh joint and they're yes, smoking uh-huh. it in their cars like uh yeah okay yeah. then yeah up in smoke um yeah i love i love up in smoke uh i think next movie is pretty good too um, oh, the other thing I was going to say is uh, punk as portrayed in Martin Scorsese films is fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> We've talked about it before that like Scorsese is like obsessed with the mohawk. It's like one yeah. of his favorite things in the world is the mohawk. Like, what if you put your hair like this? And and, and he puts punk in so much of his his work. And, and he tried still, to do a whole movie about a whole TV it, show about it that sucked. It sucked. It's so funny to me that he's like so obsessed with punk and has seemingly never took the time to like <laughs> learn about it be like oh maybe um you know maybe i could learn a little bit maybe about maybe, punk maybe we should talk to somebody who was like in the 70s in going instead of just like, making them out. all look like the background characters of like teenage mutant ninja turtles 
<laughs> well, it's weird because that like this movie sort of feels like it's it's might be a, like a goth sex dungeon or something. Like it's like right. unclear what kind of club it is. Mm-hmm. It's just supposed to be weird. Um, and they love Germany so I, there. <laughs> they love Germany. Because it's called a Club Berlin. Club Berlin. Uh, and I kind of forgive this movie for like doing punk weird, but it is a thing throughout his whole mo- his whole like oeuvre. Yeah, that's just, what like, I was gonna say. Is like if it was just this one, I'd be like, oh, that's fine. Yeah, you're you want weirdos to make New York feel weird. It's right. the, the, like the punks in this serve the same purpose as the leather daddies, where like the purpose is just to be like strange background ornaments for every scene, you know, to make it feel right. like more surreal that there's like leather daddies making out behind him as he talks about whatever, like. <laughs> It's nighttime. Anything yeah, can happen anything in the nighttime. Yeah. On Men a weekday. Make out. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, scary. Ooh. It's the middle of the AIDS crisis. They could be getting AIDS right now. Right behind you. They're they're doing it. <laughs> I love when he uh, when he goes back to try to save the girl from the burglars and the lady's all tied up. And he's like, I'll save you. I'll get you untied. Oh, these knots are tough. And then you see like her tits <laughs> are like tied up and you're like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's clearly Shafari. <laughs> like, wow, what are these guys sailors? <laughs> it's a funny movie. And I it's very fun. Yeah. It's, it's it's surprisingly a, a like well done comedy, too. Like there's mm-hmm. a lot of really funny jokes in it. Yeah, yeah it um, works really well as a comedy. Um and and it's it's fascinating because it's it's indicative of like the first half of the Scorsese career versus the second half, which we kind of touched on earlier. But I'd like to talk a little bit more about is like this early stage of his career where like not only are the movies much better, which we've already talked about, but like also they're much better. They're much more diverse. The movies right, are so different say. from each other during this time where you have like within a couple of years of each other, you have Raging Bull after hours and then last temptation of the christ it's like insane how different <laughs> these movies are from each other and and then a- after that he's just like goodfellas casino gangs of new york departed i mean in fairness i'm being a little over the top because cape fear is very different like age of innocence is very different but it definitely it's, feels like he, he goes back to the to... same well a lot more now than he used to yeah and it's it's i think it's just like i don't know i mean i yeah, looking at this list, like he does really stray from like what he's known for, but at the same time, they're just not very good movies. Like mm-hmm. Hugo is a terrible movie. I don't um, know Hugo. That's the oh. one. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know what yes, it is. Yes, I do know Hugo. <laughs> <laughs> you just forgot that it was Scorsese because it's yeah. a dumb kids movie about uh-huh. George Millet or whatever his name is. Yes. Um, yeah, and it's just like I don't know what happened. I don't know where he decided he wasn't like interested in making like interesting compositions. And I don't know yeah, that too. He Nothing looks good anymore. Mm-hmm. Like even the movies that are like pretty okay, like don't look particularly interesting. Like nothing in Wolf Shutter- of Wall Street is enjoyable, but it doesn't look any good. There's nothing in Shutter Island that like, it, like Marty in the eighties making Shutter Island. Like, everything would be 
it would almost look like a Tim Burton movie or something. Like everything would be like soaking wet and creaking and like everything would right, be made yeah. of wood and like everything would have like blue light and stuff. But it's like, he was just like, I guess uh, I'll get some random cinematographer to like make it look like a fucking video game. Cause it's right. just, everything looks so clean and colorful all the time. Now Irishman too. Irishman is, I mean, nothing nice to say about that movie. <laughs> um, yeah. And I but feel like, like gangs it, of New York is like, I mean, that can be forgiven at least because it's like so much of it had to be fake just to make it look like the time and place. Like, I get why you can't really do much like interesting cinematography when like 90% of your environment has to be generated from the computer. Like, I get that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But But like, there's really no excuse for why The Departed looks like ass. And like the most interesting thing you can think of is like there's X's on the windows and they represent death. (laughs) There's a rat. There's a rat that crawls across the screen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I, I don't know. Something happened after bringing out the dead. I feel like. Like someone hit him on the head and replaced him with a different guy or something. Yeah, I was going to say that it's really Goodfellas is kind of the big shift for him where like Goodfellas has the Goodfellas shot and then otherwise there's not a lot visually to to, to feast upon. And uh, I kind of feel like they maybe like that he might have just kind of been like, well, I didn't have to do shit for that one. (laughs) So what's the Goodfellas shot? The the trunk? No, no, no. The Goodfellas shot is uh, them going in through the back of the Copacabana. Oh, like the long. It's the long shot. shot where like he's introducing her to everybody and like talking to everybody, and then they go sit down. That's. A- I mean, that's a really sick shot, yeah, and like it's, it's cool. been done to death, and like you know you've seen it a million times, so it's like not really interesting anymore, but. It definitely is like it. Uh, it's very cool, and there, he only builds on it in Casino. Like mm-hmm. watching Casino, there's shots in that movie where I was like, "What the fuck? That's amazing!" Yeah. Like, <laughs> like there's a shot where it's like a close up of Robert De Niro's glasses, and you see like Joe Pesci's car in the sunglasses. Right. And it's not yeah. CGI. It's like just a real tight. Yeah, close-up you just really shot. had to like you had to Line just it up work out the like, angle and call, like, like really just for work like it. Yeah. A se- like a second of film, and it's like makes every like he really cares. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he doesn't anymore. Bringing out the dead was the last time he was like, I'm going to try something really strange and like really throw stuff at the wall and see what happens. And it ate shit at the box office. And he was like, you know what? Fuck this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever. My name sells. Who cares? Yeah. I guess I'm just going to like do the weird history stuff that I like. And I'm going to like have a second unit direct most of the movie. Yeah. Cause I feel like that's what he wants to do. He wants to like tell history stories. Mm-hmm. Um, because games about Italians, about Italians and Jews, um, which is fine, but it's not interesting, and I don't have to say it's good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but you know, this movie, there's really I don't even. Can you think of another movie that's even kind of like this, where it's like besides like Orson Welles's The Trial, which is literally a Kafka movie? <laughs> Um, in terms of just the way that like the thing mounts or in terms of like the like like the weird bureaucratic like nothing can go right yeah and then the mounting and right um it's hard to even crank <laughs> uh, I don't know uh, I mean uh, clerks clerks is kind of like this <laughs> That's what I was going to think that was I was going to bring it up earlier because we were saying how like there's so many times where the main character could have like gotten himself out of things or whatever and he makes wrong decisions. I was thinking of the the final scene of Clerks where like 
He's like, you're not even supposed to be here today. Like nobody fucking forced you to come in today. (laughs) Like nobody twisted your arm. You came in. Yeah. (laughs) You can absolutely quit this job. It's not a big deal. Yeah, he's like, I know I'm nothing. <laughs> yeah. I'm just having fun with it. You have to be so sad about it. Right. Um, it's, um, yeah, but there's not really a lot like this out there. And there's really not a lot of portrayals of New York that are like this, where it's like, it's not glamorous at all, but it's also not like over the top gritty. Like, because a lot of stuff during yeah. this time period would have fallen into, there's a scene in this where, uh, the girl that he's trying to fuck at the beginning is like, I was raped by a guy who came in through my fire escape. In a lesser movie, they would have shown a guy come in through the fire escape. Right, you know what right. I mean? Like, that was the way that New York was portrayed back then, if not as like a glamorous uptown sort of place. This is a portrayal of the New York that like people who live here know, which is the New York where like, it's mostly mundane. It's mostly you go to work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then sometimes you if you like go out and you fuck around all night, like... Sometimes weird shit happens because there's nine million people here. So that means every type of guy lives here. <laughs> you think you invented a new type of guy? You're wrong. There's he no such thing. He lives on 13th Street. <laughs> yeah, there's no such thing as a new type of guy. <laughs> they all live here. <laughs> uh, and you see a lot of them in the movie. And I, yeah, yeah, I just, I'm, I was. Great soundtrack. Great soundtrack, oh, yeah. too. Well, it's Really good music. You know, Scorsese knows music he's mm-hmm. he's got a good taste in music he's just like a little bit tiresome when he plays the same fucking rolling stone song in every movie right but- and luckily this isn't that this is like there's a really great scene that's uh when he's hanging out with the the portrait artist and um she puts on a record and then she's like oh you're sadder than this and like turns it off yeah, and yeah. puts on a different <laughs> one and it's chelsea morning and then no movie ever does this chelsea morning plays all the way through ends and then the next song on the record plays (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah that is really weird i noticed that um Um, but i i i really respect this movie for even though and bad brains bad brains pay to come is in it and (laughs) that was only like a two or three year old song at that point so bad brains probably got a very nice little little paycheck out of that which is so weird because they just re-released it like i was looking at their like they had uh like this week they, oh, put really? out, they put it out on vinyl again. I was like, what the fuck? I just heard this song. Oh. <laughs> I have not thought about that song in a long time. Um, yeah. But I really respect this movie for doing something very strange, but not being up its own ass and not being a, not like needing to feel like an artsy movie, even though it right. kind of is an artsy movie. It's still, it's interested in making you feel anxious and awkward and, but in a fun way. Yeah, and it's, like, um, zany when it wants to be, and, like, it's not apologetic about being zany, and, like, you know, when he, like, basically, like, it, like spikes the camera and goes, like, I'll probably be blamed for that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous, but you're, like, you've earned it. Like, you've had enough of this. <laughs> yeah, you're having such a rough night. You earn a little, like, on-screen, like, wink. <laughs> yeah, weird stuff in this, too, that just kind of randomly happens where uh, he, like, looks out the window and sees people fucking across the street, and you're yeah. like, all right, sure. Well, that's all sort of about, like, making this setting just as strange and uncomfortable because you're not usually out this late. You know, it's, like, it's for an audience that doesn't know New York, and it's, like, right. kind of simultaneously showing you the insane heightened version while also sort of introducing you to like the normal stuff. And it's all sort of in the service of uh, 
completing the picture, you know, where like the cabbie yeah. is just like a normal guy at first. It's a normal cab ride and he leaves the money and he's like, fuck you. And then that's the yeah. end. And that's what would really happen. And then later when he sees the exact same cab driver, it like heightens it. You know what I mean? Right. And I think in a weird way, basically everything in the whole movie pays off. It's all kind of cyclical and it's really crazy. Uh, a very good fun, ass movie. A good ass very movie. Very fun. Highly recommended. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much for watching this podcast. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) This has been Generation Loss. Uh, Thank you for listening. I'm Bryn. You can follow me at Kinematography. Uh, You can listen to my other show, BB Bledis. That's Jeremy. You can follow him at Jeremy Thunder. You can listen to his other show, Ballin' Out Super. Um, You can follow us on Twitter. Follow the whole show at Gen Loss Pod and check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash generation loss where you can hear extra um, bonus episodes where we do movie news and we you can also get access to the Discord and you can uh, watch the movies that we're going to talk about on Monday. Other than that. And that's all the stuff. Bye. <laughs> Ooh.